0: everyone you're welcome back to Christian therapy podcast it is your host Ishvaranu here hi everyone happy monday i hope you're having such an amazing monday and i hope you're excited for the week ahead so yeah let's get into today's episode so we're still studying from the book of proverbs and this series is called lessons from proverbs and today i'm going to be sharing with you some nuggets that i gained from studying the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now like I always say in these episodes it's important that you go back to listen or read the chapter for yourself because there are so many nuggets that I could take from these chapters however the episode would be too long so I tend to just choose one or two things here and there that i can talk about on the podcast so please go back and listen for yourself okay so let's get into today's episode so i'm going to be talking about proverbs chapter 13 in the first instance and the big thing that i want to talk about is the fact that there is so much power in your tongue honestly there is so much power in your tongue if you take nothing from this podcast from this episode in particular there is nothing as important as controlling and thinking about what you say the tongue has so much power it's not just for food it's not just for tasting food and all that good stuff now tasting food is good but it's not only about that it's about making sure that you're speaking your way to the top that you're saying the right things that you're controlling what you say it's not everything that is on your mind that you say out so yeah let's talk about that so i'm going to be reading briefly from um verse 2 and this is proverbs chapter 13 and i'm reading from verse 2 And I read, from the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Well, I couldn't have said it any clearer. It is so important. Like, what people don't understand is the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And they that love it shall eat its fruit thereof. What does that mean? That means if you want death, you can proclaim death using your words. If you want life, you can proclaim life using those same words. Using that same tongue, using your words. And it's so important that if you want whatever it is that you want... If you know and understand the power of your tongue, you would be able to achieve everything that you set your heart to do in this life. There is nothing that will be impossible to you. I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, I manifested it, I manifested it. What do you think they, they mean by manifested? They, whilst I don't agree with the whole principle of manifestation, especially because it comes across as you created that thing um and also because of its relations to things like astrology and all that stuff so that's why i don't really subscribe to that however the principle came from the word of god the principle comes from what we're talking about which is the power of the tongue yes whatever it is you want in this life you can make it happen you can create it Through your words, and so that's why people are saying these things, and they're like, Oh, I manifested that, and it's happening for them. What did they do? They spoke words, and that should tell you how important it is. Because if people that are not born again can confidently say that they're using this principle and it's working for them, the thing about the word of God is this if anyone takes anything from the word of God any principles from the word of God, any laws from the word of God and applies it to their lives, then it would produce the results that it's meant to produce, irrespective of who uses that law. It's like the law of gravity. You throw something up, it comes down. That's just how it works. So in the same vein, the law of the power of your tongue, if you want to call it that, is so important because Whatever it is that you say is what you get. And that's why it's so important that we are careful to make sure we're not confessing negative things. Sometimes you wonder why certain things aren't going well in your business, but it's like the things you said concerning that business is what is happening to you. Sometimes what we need to realize is that life that we are living is not the life that other people created for us. It's the life that our words created for us. a life we created because of the words we spoke how many of us can confidently say that there are certain jobs that you wanted and you spoke it into existence and then on the other hand there are certain things that you found yourself in and you realized they were things that you said even though you didn't mean it or even you know even though you felt like oh it was a joke it's so important that we're not trivializing our words Your words are so important. Just because you want to claim that it is a joke does not mean it is something that should be said. There are certain jokes that you shouldn't even be making about your own life. Things that can affect you. You should be so careful about what you say, and and that's why for me, I'm so mindful about what I say when I say certain things, especially when it comes when it comes to talking about my life, my career, um, my family a lot of things, I'm very, very mindful about how I say certain things, what I say, even when I'm expressing me feeling upset about something, I'm very clear and very careful about what I say. And if you're listening today, I want you to understand that it's so important to understand the value of words. Now, if you think about, I remember hearing one time about a study that was done. And so this scientist had two plants. One, he decided that he would speak negative words to that plant. It will wake up and curse the plant, basically. He'll just say all sorts of brutal, disgusting things to that plant. And then on the other hand, we'll have another plant that it would say nice, wholesome, beautiful words to. And in the end, the plant that was listening to awesome speech. Ended up thriving. Ended up growing into a beautiful plant. And then the other one. That he was speaking all sorts of negative things to. Ended up looking crooked. And that is what happens when people say certain things. When you're speaking negatively concerning your life. That is what is happening. Your life is becoming crooked. Your life is becoming the representation of what you have said. And That's why sometimes it's hard for people to accept that they are the reason for their own misfortune you spoke it into existence and it's so important that if you're listening today if you've said negative things with your mouth all these years it's never too late what i need you to do now is to use your words to correct those negative things you have said use your words to proclaim positive things to counteract all the negative things you have said and now I'll be honest with you, if you've been speaking negatively for 20 years, don't expect that now that you've decided to say positive things for like five minutes, it's going to change. It isn't. It is going to be a process. And that's why when you finally get to the point where you're speaking positively, give it time. You know, think about it. You took 20 years to ruin your life. Don't think it's going to take five minutes to rectify it. Now you have to go back to speaking positively. One thing I've noticed about a lot of millionaires and a lot of successful people in this life is the way they speak differentiates them from so many different people. The way they speak is so unique and it's almost like they have such perfect speech in the way they talk about themselves. You know, not I'm not talking about other people now. I'm talking about the way in which they speak about themselves the way in which they speak about their lives their passions their their successes and you know even their lives in general and how they say certain things and it's just there's just something amazing and you would realize that they've learned the power of words and they're very mindful so you can't be out here saying all sorts of nonsense and then wonder why you know things aren't working out for you And like, you know, there's even a study about like, I believe two crystals, one crystal, the person will wake up and see all sorts of negative things. And then the other crystal and all of that. And eventually the one where the scientist was saying all these beautiful things to ended up being beautiful, gorgeous, amazing crystals. The other one just was just trash. And the thing is, these are studies that you can do by yourself at home. These are things that you can actually if you're really interested, get two plants, get, you know, or get two seeds or whatever, and then speak to one, but make sure you put them in separate rooms, make sure you put them in separate areas, make sure there is no overlap, make sure you label them properly. So it's not like you're like, oh, which one it was the one that I've been speaking negatively like to? Me too. Make sure you get it right and do that. And then that way you can monitor it and visibly see those changes and then that would affect your mindset because you you would have seen it happen you know to your plants or you'd have seen it happen in real life for you and then that would probably resonate a little bit better. So I'm not going to continue talking about this just because I feel like I've probably hammered on <laughs> about this a little bit. But honestly I want to encourage you to make those changes. You can't you can't be part of every conversation. And even if you're part of every conversation, make sure that your words are different from everyone else. You cannot be speaking like other people. You're a Christian, which means there is power in your words. Even as a regular human being who is not a Christian, there's power in your words. How much more a Christian. Don't play yourself. I think that's the that's the conclusion. Like don't play yourself. But yeah, so let's move on. And so I'm going to briefly talk about verse 20. And this is still Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. And I wanted to touch a little bit on friendships. Your friends matter. I know people feel like, oh, I can be friends with whoever I want to be friends with. Yes, you can be friends with whoever you want to be friends with. However... When you want to reach certain heights in life, it is important to be friends with the right people. If you're around people who are spiritually led, who are wise, you will become wise and spiritually led. If you're around people who are not, they're likely to drag you down. Now, is there a place for you trying to bring them up? Absolutely. I myself, I do this all the time. I have friendships where I am the influence. Does that make sense? So I'm the one who is wise in Christ. I'm the one who has this spiritual backing and you know has the spiritual views, and I'm the one trying to bring them in. However, there is a limit to our friendships. We are not at a point where it's like we're in and out you're in my house all the time i mean you're no the people that have that much access to me are people that are wise and spiritually led and it's so important because there is a place for you being able to bring other people in but you have to make sure they're not dragging you into with them instead you're the one pulling them up however you need to be up to be able to pull someone up and you need to be secure and solid where you are at. If not, the person will pull you down. And so that's why it's so important that before you go around gathering friends who aren't spiritually led, who aren't Christians, it's important that you understand this: whoever you are ma- you are around is likely to have the biggest impact on you. And so, whoever is in your inner circle. I would encourage that they are people who are spiritually led. That's that, you know, I don't think I can say more on that. Like, honestly, that's all I'm going to say on that one. So if we move on to verse 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for his, for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous now this is something that really got me because i know a lot of people say things like oh that person is evil but they have so much money da 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 don't fret a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous what does that mean at some point that person is going to lose that wealth to the righteous at some point God will place you in a place where you are going to be receiving that wealth that was stored up by a sinner. That's what the word of God says. It is very clear. It says a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So basically what that means is the guy is just working, 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 working. I want day God is going to hand over all that wealth to me. Okay. That's, that's my mentality. That's what I got from reading that. If you got something different, let me know. But that's pretty much what I got. It's like someone is out here working, busting, and then, you know, doing all of that, busting their A. And then God is like, well, hand it over to my daughter right here. Hand it over to Aisha right here, right here. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I receive it. That is it. So, you know, if that's not something to remind us not to be stressing, because God's got our backs, I don't know what else you wanna hear. And so I'm gonna move forward a little bit um, to verse 24. And this, I'm gonna read it first and then I'll talk about it. So whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now, one of the biggest things I'm going to say is this. The Bible does not say Go and use the rod to smack your child. Because I know people like to say, oh, you know, this is what the Bible says. No, I repeat, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It's used as a comparison. Rod here is being used to explain correction, discipline, because it goes on to say, if you spare the rod from your child, you hate them. But then it tells you what people who love their children do. And so that is what it's explaining. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It makes it very, very clear. Right? It's like, Uh, What other scripture comes to mind? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, people miss that verse and think the focus is on not being drunk with wine. But no, the focus is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is the same thing here. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. That is the focus. It's telling you when your child does something wrong, you correct them. You don't say oh that's my little baby it's okay it's okay no you correct them you discipline them that is the big thing here it's not oh the bible is telling you get a rod smack your child nah 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 that's not what the bible says no instead rod is used to explain discipline correction because it makes it clear it could have said whoever spares the rod hates their children But the one who loves their children is careful to smack them, is careful to bring the rod and smack their behinds. That's not what the word said. So we have to be very careful when we are trying to use the scripture to explain that people can use the rod to smack their children. That's not what the Bible is saying. I just felt like I had to put that in because um, I have heard... A lot of people say, you know, they're, you know, all these things and try to make it seem like the Bible is out here backing people being whooping their children with rods. Mm-mm. Anyways, so let's move on to chapter 14 of Proverbs. And the focus today in this chapter, um, for me, the, the part where I really wanted to focus on is when it talks about your temper. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the verses first and then I'm going to talk about it, if that's okay. So verse 16, and by the way, I don't think I mentioned it at the start. I'm reading from the New International Version today. I know I'm a passion girl, but I don't know why I'm using NIV today. So you guys bear with me. (laughs) So yeah, verse 16, the wise fear the Lord and shun evil. But the fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. Mm-mm-mm. A quick-tempered person does foolish things and the one who desires evil schemes is hated. Wow. What the part I really wanted to focus on is the fact where it talks about the fool is hot-headed and if yet he feels secure. Like, just imagine that. Haven't you met hot-tempered people? They're like they feel justified in their hot temperedness and i'm like you feel secure you feel secure i was talking about you today and then it goes on to say a quick tempered person does foolish things if you're hot tempered if you're quick to anger you do stupid things you do stupid things and so i wanted to talk today about it's so important to control your temper Have you met people that are hot-tempered and proud of it? They'll be like, well, my father is hot-tempered, that's where I got it from. Or when you correct them, you're like, oh, that's just how I am, I'm hot-tempered, God forbid. No, 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 no. The Bible has said you should be slow to anger. So if that's what the Bible says, then being hot-tempered is not acceptable. As a Christian, it's not something to be proud of. It's something for you to be saying to God, God, I really want to correct this. I don't want to be hot-tempered no more. Lord, deliver me from this. Not, oh, I'm hot-tempered, though. You two, you shouldn't have brought that here. Like, no, 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 no. As a child of God, we conform our character. We conform our behavior to the word of God. We subject our bodies. We put it under to and make it make it align to the word of God. That's what we do as Christians. Is it easy? No. But we do it anyway. We might be crying as we do it. But we do it anyway. And so don't. If you're one of those people. That are always constantly saying. Oh I'm hot tempered. Please. I did beg. Please. See what the Bible says about someone that is hot tempered. A fool. The Bible is practically calling you a fool. If you're hot tempered. And then it talks about, it does foolish things. So it's like repeating it in a different way. And so there is no excuse. We have to really work on it. I know it's easier said than done. You know, I went through a phase um, in my first year of university where I was very, very hot tempered. I was quick. Now, was I justified in the grievances that I had? Yes, 100%. If people did not start with me, I would not have given it to them. But guess what? That still did not change the fact that I was hot-tempered. That still did not change the fact that I was acting like a fool. I can look back and say that. Then I was like, well, I was justified. And was I justified? A hundred percent. However, my standard is the word of God. And if the word of God says a fool is hot-headed, then that's what I was and I just had to accept that, and move on, and and make amends, and so, the more I spent time with God, the more I focused on God, I just realized that I became this really, really calm person, and so, even now, when people do things, I just laugh, because I'm like, wow, you really are getting the benefit of this calm individual, and not the person who was hot-tempered, who would have finished it for you, you know, but, it's just i say that to say i get it i've been there so i'm not telling you something that i myself have not walked walked through that i haven't been through you know to to say it from a place where i don't understand no i do i 100% understand and i know that it is not the easiest of things to do however it starts with intention it starts with true repentance you actually accepting that it is not good and you come into god to apologize and repent and and receive forgiveness and then you know ask god to help you work on that and start to make intent take intentional steps to make those changes and so that's all i'm gonna say regarding controlling your temper um you know even in verse 29 it talks about whoever is patient has great understanding but one who is quick tempered displays fully so it's repeating the same thing again so in literally three verses we've read in this chapter is talking about people that are hot tempered so that is a very serious thing and so i don't want you to feel like oh society tells you that oh there's nothing wrong as long as you know you don't overdo it or you don't act out or you know don't let society dictate how you live your life let jesus dictate how you live your life let his word dictate how you live your life if you're a follower of christ and so i'm gonna stop talking about (laughs) i'm gonna stop talking about um your temper (laughs) And instead, I'm going to move forward so we can talk about something else before we round up today. So we're going to quickly move on to verse 26. And I'm just going to quickly read that. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Wow. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. Well, for their children, it will be a refuge. If you fear the Lord. Now, if you listen to some of the previous episodes, I was talking about the fear of the Lord here means the reverential fear of the Lord. That means you have reverence for him. That means it's not that you you hear that God is coming or you hear that God is speaking to you and you're scared. No, it just means you have this reverence for the Lord. You love the Lord in such a way that you don't want to hurt him. You don't want to do something that you know will bruise him that would really hurt him um and so it talks about verse 16 and verse 17 the fear of the Lord is so important like if you think about it, it says the fear of the Lord is important it is a refuge for your children. what does a refuge mean a refuge means a sanctuary it means somewhere you can run and know that you'll be protected it means a safe house a fortress. So that means if you have the fear of the lord it's not just you that is going to be sorted for life your children will also be sorted for life and the thing about it is not just your children your children children because they come out of your children they are from your lineage so your lineage is sorted so when we talk about fearing the Lord and loving the Lord, it is important because it's not just for you, it's for your lineage, it's for your children to come. And so it's just, it's just honestly so, so important to make sure that we understand that it's important to have that reverence for the Lord. It's not every time we text texting at church. It's not every time. And to be honest, as I'm saying it to you, I'm saying it to me too. Because there was a time where I was constantly texting. And I was like, why why am I always texting at church? And I had to control myself. Now I'm a lot more mindful. And, you know, I avoid texting at church at all costs. And I think it's something that we we need to get into. Because if we were in the temple of back in the day... I bet we would not have the cheek, the audacity to bring a phone in because someone could have stoned us. Not to talk of now that we have all these freedoms and pleasures in Christ, but we have to be a lot more mindful to take certain steps to ensure that we have reverence for his presence. We have reverence for him. And I know that even as I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is convicting me on that, um, especially because... Sometimes you just get carried away by just texting and doing other things whilst you're meant to be listening to the word or, you know, meditating and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just had to put that in. (laughs) Okay, the last thing I want to talk about before I close is verse 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And so what I want to talk about is it's so important to treat people well, regardless of where they are in life, regardless of how much money they have, what family they come from, treat people well, treat people the way you would want to be treated. There's no reason to be disrespectful to someone because they don't have money, because you feel like you're better than them. That's not who we are as Christians. We help the needy. We go out of our way for people. That is what we do. We are kind to the needy. I know people think, oh, I employ employ this person. I'm this person's boss. I don't have to treat them fairly. No. As a Christian, even your subordinates, you have to treat them nice. You have to treat them fairly. Because it's God who made that person and it's God who made you. So it's so important that whatever happens, we're all treating people around us the way God will want us to treat people. And so that's why I'm going to end it today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope you've had such an amazing day. Um, So what I'm going to encourage you to do is go head over to Apple Podcast to leave a review of this podcast. It would help other people to know about this show and find us. Um, If you're listening on Anchor, please make sure you favorite this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, please subscribe. And yeah, um, and that's it for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next Monday. God bless you. Amen. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.